Hey guys, coming up today on Sports Spectrum, Kenneth Locke is our guest. He is the Milwaukee Bucks team chaplain. And man, does he bring it today. Prayer, finding balance. How about chapel services in the NBA? How about his dreams to see the Lord continuing to penetrate itself into the NBA? Stories about Giannis Antetokounmpo, the MVP. Stories about being a team barber. Yes, Kenneth Locke is not just the team chaplain. He is a team barber, and he has a championship ring. They gave him a ring in 2021 when the Bucks won the NBA championship. This was a powerful conversation. He's also written a book called Shift Happens, How to Find Renewed Purpose, Gratitude, and Love After Heartbreak. He released it back in August, and he talks a lot about that heartbreak that he's walked through these past few years. Very transparent. Very real, very unedited. It's Kenneth Locke, the Milwaukee Bucks team chaplain, coming up in just a moment here on Sports Spectrum. First, I want to tell you about our friends at Compassion International, the most trusted child development ministry in the world. Check them out at Compassion.com slash Sports Spectrum to sponsor children in need. Food, education, medical care, vocational training. That's what comes the way of these children when you sponsor them, when you give them a chance, but most of all, and this is what makes compassion the best of all, in my opinion, when you're talking about child development ministries, they keep Jesus in the conversation. They make sure every kid is discipled and hears about Jesus and a chance to say yes to inviting Christ into their life. Go to compassion.com slash sports spectrum and you can sponsor a child right now. Compassion.com slash sports spectrum. Locked in the Milwaukee Bucks team chaplain. He's also their team barber. He's also a senior pastor. He's also an author. And we're so glad to have Ken Locke here on Sports Spectrum. What's up, my friend? How are you? Oh, man, Jason, man, it's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, I promise your introduction sounds better than I actually am. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the Bible say? Let someone else praise you, not yourself. I'll praise you. Yeah, Don't worry absolutely. About it. Okay, there we go. I'll take it then. I'll take it. I'll do I'll all that. It. Yeah. Let's let's start with the sort of all the roles that you have. I, I, I want to get into the story of how you became, you know, the Bucks chaplain and, and team barber in a second. Yeah. But just right now, when you think about those those titles and obviously child of God, follower of Jesus is the number one and only thing that we want to be known as, but you are kind of juggling a few things here as a pastor wrote a book, um, which when you write a book that opens up opportunities to share and speak and do interviews like this. And then of course your role with the bucks, what's that like right now? Kind of balancing everything. Yeah. um, Balance is the operative word for me right now. It's funny that you use that, that word specifically because uh, with so many irons in the fire, uh, balance has to be so much more intentional. You know, yeah. you have to you have to choose balance, when to plug in, when to unplug. Uh, working with the NBA obviously comes with its own rhythm and cadence. The NBA is a very fast paced, you know, business. You know, you got to play, uh, you know, eighty two games in a matter of months, right? And like you're traveling, you're trying to squeeze everything in. And so my role with the NBA is I'm a chaplain with the Bucks, but technically I'm a chaplain with the NBA. So my responsibilities go beyond the Milwaukee Bucks is that I have to meet with uh, any team that comes into our city. If they want uh, to come to chapel services, that's my job to work, work with them, pray with them, 
uh, to allow them to come into the Bible studies. And many people ask often, like, man, what does a chaplain do? Like, you're in the NBA. Like, what is what is that role? Yeah. And it's a uh, it's it's a fun role. It's a unique role. You uh, we have a Bible study about an hour before every game. Um, so my job is uh to to walk through the Word of God. It's about 15 minutes, and this is with both the home team. And the away team. Yeah, it's both salaries, <laughs> right, Ken? It's both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so most people don't know this. Like, you know, when you're when you see those guys and you know, those scuffing it out on the floor, dude, just an hour ago they were praying together, you know. And so uh, it really is their profession, it is their business. I do think that some people buy too much emotionally into it being like uh, a personal V, but these guys are are class acts, a lot of them. You know, obviously you got you got you got a few in a bunch at, at all in any sport, but these guys are class acts, man. Uh, amazing dads. They love their kids, love their families. They love the sport, but they know how to be professionals. And so we get a chance to talk together, have fun together. We're laughing together in the same room uh, an hour before the game. And then I always ask them, hey, is there any prayer requests? We pray together. Um, and then our team does something specifically. I'm not sure what other NBA teams do. I don't know of any as of yet. But we always pray uh, center court at the end of every game. Win, lose, or draw. We've just bought into the practice of just saying, man, God, thank you for the opportunity. Mm. Uh, so being a chaplain with those guys. Also, I work with their families. So, you know, when you're an NBA chaplain, you serve these guys at whatever capacity they need. It's a lot like being a pastor. You know, when you're a pastor, it's like, yeah, like your main role may be Sundays, but it's also the meetings throughout the week. And it's talking to families and it's praying for kids and it's showing up anytime that you can. And uh, being a chaplain is the same way. You know, it's, it's it's showing up to the kids' birthday parties. It's praying for their marriages. It's praying for their loved ones when health issues come into play. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it, it's it's all encompassing, really. What would surprise us as sports fans? I say us. I mean, I'm in ministry, obviously, and doing this with Sports Spectrum. But I was a fan first. You know, the guy behind me yeah. is my sports hero, Larry Bird. Um, yeah. So I'm a Celtics <laughs> fan before I was anything else. You know, as yeah. far as, as the role I have, but what would surprise us as fans about not just your role, but about players in the NBA? And you talked about most of them are classy, but I think there's probably some things that we don't know about that go yeah. on and obviously share what you're willing to share. But what would surprise us if if we asked you uh, about the role you have and about Chapel and, and what goes on in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, what was surprising, number one, is there's um, there's a lot of the quote-unquote bad guys in the NBA that we've kind of like given these, uh, like, ah, oh, man, this guy is a problem kind of persona yeah. attached to their like name. Like a label. And yeah. He's, yeah, a label. And these guys are like, like bona fide believers. You know what I mean? Like, you have... Um, like Grace and Allen, I'm Grace and Allen. You know, Bill's people are like, ah, oh, dude, he, you look on online, he's dirty. He's a, and dude, you talk to this guy, he's talking about his love for God and his love for Jesus. Like, wow. like it's totally different. Patrick Beverly, uh, Russell Westbrook, uh, just to, just to name a few guys who are. Yeah. And you can see interviews on this. I'm not giving like really too many secrets, but these guys are so serious about their faith, and um, I think fans forget that. Uh, playing basketball is only a part of the job. Their other part of the job is to sell tickets. You mm -hmm. know? Uh, that, yeah. you know, sometimes you buy into personalities. You you buy into the toughness of Patrick Beverly. You you buy into, you know, you're in Boston, uh, smart. And his, yeah. the role that he plays with the team, you know, Jason Tatum was the scorer. You know, Jalen Brown is the athlete, but smart played his role of being the bad guy, you know? And so, it's it's a part of what you bring as a total package to a team. So fan, fans always try to encourage them that what you see in the game is a um, part of it is truly their talent, their ability, and the other part is that it is their job and they and they've mastered their job well. The best people, 
the Michael Jordans of the game learn how to infuse their personality into the sport. Yeah. And so many of them attend these chapels, obviously name names where you feel comfortable, but like there's so many yeah. of these guys that are in chapel one hour before every single game. And then yes. an hour later, they're going, you know, and doing their thing on the court, <laughs> yeah. good or bad. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like, I mean, j just like you and I, Jason, like, I mean, there's many of us that go to church on Sunday and, you know, you catch us Tuesday morning, you know, uh, somebody yes. cuts us off on the road and, or, you know, we, we, there's another side that, that, of, of frustration that can come out. And so the guy, the guys named Pat Bev, uh, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just so many guys who are amazing guys. Andre Iguodala, mm. just amazing guys who, yeah, they're tough. They play, I mean, Giannis is strong in his faith. Drew Holiday, strong in his faith. These guys are tough, but they're also uh, men who who do value their personal relationship and their, and their journey in their own faith. Yeah, listen, Ken, if you saw me playing in my church basketball league 10 years ago, you would have said, that guy is not saved. He is not a Christian. He does not represent <laughs> Jesus. And Ken, I had to stop playing. Like I realized, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I've just become an elder at my church, you know, leadership board, uh, wow. starting to speak a little bit. And I'm... When I go on the court, I turned into a different guy and I had to stop playing. Now, I'm wow. not saying that makes it acceptable in the NBA to just be a different guy. No, 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 no. But yeah, I can yeah, empathize and I can certainly see how it can be difficult to be a believer. Because I, I think that's part of it, right, Ken? Like part of your yeah. job, I have to imagine, is encouraging these guys and saying, remember, yes, go be a beast on the court. Go do your thing. But remember that you're representing Jesus wherever you go. I had to stop playing basketball in our church league because I couldn't <laughs> control it. So I got to imagine on an NBA level, there's there's this cadence of you working with these athletes and, and talking to them and even building relationships, certainly with the Bucks, to allow them to yeah. be go be a beast on the court, but remember who you're representing here. No, absolutely. It's so funny to me that you mentioned um... – <laughs> that 10 years ago, you took a, a break because the same thing exactly 10 years ago for me, um, I took a break for a year from playing basketball because um, I was getting, I would get so emotional. I mean, I, I'm so passionate about the sport, you yeah, know, and like, yep. you know, once, once you get into the thick of it, you're, you're just, I mean, those emotions take over you. And then this is what I tell my friends. I say, dude, look how emotional we were. And we were playing for free. Um, I mean, some <laughs> some of these leagues we were paying to play. Actually, like they charged us a twenty five dollars fee to, yes. to get into this league. And now imagine you getting paid twenty million dollars for this. The the level of emotion that comes out of you because every game affects your accolades. It affects how much you get paid. It affects what you get voted for. I mean, every single bad whistle, every bad mistake, every foul that you don't get caught for you, but then you get caught on the other end. I mean, there's just so many emotions that become a part of it. Your wife is watching, your kids are watching, you know, Instagram and social media is watching, Twitter's going to be posting about you later. I mean, it's just, there's so much uh, pressure on these guys. And um, part of my job is to, yes, to instruct, to say, hey man, dude, like, how do we find ways to glorify Christ? How do we find ways to look more like Jesus in every way? Yeah. Uh, but in the other side of my job is also to do what I do on the weekend at my church every Sunday is to make sure I'm also extend grace at the same time and say, hey, man, like, uh, you know, just man fall seven times, you know, but the, the real grace that he gets up eight, you know, every time he just keeps getting back up yeah. and uh, encouraging them uh, as I would anybody, man, like you're human. And humans do what humans do, which just means humans make mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Humans fail. Yes, like I, do. nobody's expecting you to be perfect, but you know, we all we ought to be trying and to be honest in our pursuit of being better. Oh, that's good. Um, one of the unique things I've noticed, and I don't know if it was every game, but I noticed it quite a bit 
during the playoff run. Uh, I mean, they've been on playoff runs the last few years, the Bucks. but when they yeah. won the championship in 21, and even when they were playing Boston uh, a couple years ago in the playoffs, I noticed that there, there was a circle that was happening, a prayer circle after the games at the yeah. center of the court. And now in the NFL, every single game, guys are gathering at the 50-yard line and praying. You don't see yeah. it as much in the NBA, but I did notice yeah. it with the Bucks. And when you and I met a couple months ago back in California, I don't think I yeah. I remembered to ask you because I did find that intriguing. What what is yeah. tell us about that in that moment? And is that something you guys are intentional about every game, or is it just kind of whenever yeah. the spirit leads? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're we're intentional about that every single game, Jason. Um, we did notice that uh in in many sports arenas, specifically football is one of the ones to compare, mm. is that the uh the intentionality around faith is, is really strong. And um and in the NBA it just it hasn't been as much. It hasn't been as much of a of a focus. And so at our team and our guys, let me number one just throw some credit to those guys, uh Giannis and and Drew um were two of the guys leading it out. We were talking to saying, man, how do we man, how do we just be grateful? And uh, they were like, man, let's be, we want to pray. And I was like, hey, man, I want to pray center court. And I said, win, lose, or draw, let's do it. And they said, hey, let's do it. And so um, every every game at the end, it could be after the toughest loss. It could be after the best win. Um, it could be if we barely made it out by the skin of our teeth. We just always stop. And it's a very simple prayer. You know, I'm, I'm not holding an hour prayer meeting, you know. Yeah. But really it is it, it, it is just to hone in to being grateful. Right. And and all things give thanks because it's the will of God concerning you. Right. And it's like, man, God, thank you. Even if we lose, man, we're extremely blessed to be where we are to on this floor, playing this game to for, for us to be healthy, to have our kids here, to have our family safe. Like that's what the real blessing is. You win games, you lose games. But the life that God has given us is the real blessing. How amazing would it be if somehow that caught on in the NBA with every team? And it was just guys. That we're gonna we're gonna come together center court after the game because there's bro hugs and everybody hanging out and high fiving and and loving on each other, you know, for a few minutes with the two teams. But what an amazing moment that could be if every team adopted that within the oh, NBA man. world, right? Oh, it would be it would be so amazing. I mean, if we had every team that truly bought in and said, you know what, all of us. You know, we're all going to go to center court and just say, man, we're, we're appreciative of this opportunity. Now, honestly, that's my my hope. That's my prayer is that uh, whatever we do is simply a, an example, uh, a model, if you would, for others to say, I think this is a healthy model for a sustained team, for a healthy team. Uh, you know, the old saying, a family that prays together stays together. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, and so just just keeping that mantra, if you would, at the center of all that we do. Yeah. And getting a guy like Giannis, who's if he's leading that, I mean, you can't get any any bigger name in the NBA than an MVP and a world champion saying, come on, guys, we're going to pray. People are going to follow yes. in line in many ways with that. So hopefully that'll, that'll catch on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And now we got Dane. Damian Little, who's also a man of his faith. So, you know, yeah. uh, we, no, it, it was tough losing Drew. Drew Holiday has been like a, a brother to me. I mean, sincerely, I can't tell you the nights we stayed up. I know our families eat dinner together. Our kids playing together. His, his mm. kids go back and forth between calling me pastor and uncle. You know, so it's like, <laughs> uh, you know. Well, now you got to come up to Boston and visit, Kenny. And if you do, you got to call me so I can come hang oh. out with you guys too. <laughs> right, so, so funny thing, I am, I am going to come. So I'll let you know. I think it's the... Uh, I think it's the game where the Bucks play Boston. We'll be out there. Nice. Yeah. Well, we'll stay in yeah. touch on that. We're talking <laughs> yeah, to we Kenneth will. Locke here on Sports Spectrum, Milwaukee Bucks team chaplain. So you have a story of your own that you decided yeah. to share in this book you wrote, Shift 
happens. I wanted to make sure I said that clearly so people could hear <laughs> what I was saying. Shift, S-H-I-F-T. Your title, man, there's an intentionality about that when you wrote that. I'm like, oh man, this is not good for broadcasters and people who do podcasts to name this yeah. book. <laughs> but the title is important here. Uh, once yeah. you get past sort of the, the, the pronunciation of it, how to find <laughs> renewed purpose, gratitude, and love after heartbreak. And this is very recent that you released this back in August. Yes. Self-published, I saw, which I think is, is awesome that you went and wrote this thing. Tell me about this book and why you felt it was important to kind of share your story publicly in this way. Yeah, absolutely. So as you know, um, as pastors, we really don't have the luxury of having a private life. Um, yeah. Anyways, we try to keep as much private as we can. But when you live on a stage, everything is exposed to that stage, your kids, your relationships. That's right. Um, and, and, and personal life. And for me, it's not a bad thing. I, um, I do admire being an example. Uh, and I want to be a right example for Jesus. So uh, a few years ago, uh, two years ago, I went through um, a divorce. Uh, and and being a pastor in this world, it's like, you know, that's almost like the, not the dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's hey, like taboo. Buddy, you, no way. A divorce yeah, pastor. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you know, we may it, may, it may affect your influence and it could affect your church. Sure. Um, and the only thing that saved me, if, if we were to be honest, is that there wasn't a moral failure at the root of it. It was just... Um, my wife at that time went through a lot of uh, tough situations and we went through therapy, tried to make it. And she just really needed to step away mm. uh, just for herself, just so she can focus on herself and heal. And I had to um, forgive and I had to to love through that. And I had to pastor through that, which I think was um, by far probably the most difficult part. But while pastoring through it, I decided to tell my church, we have this mantra we live by, which is true TRU, and it's to be transparent, real, unedited. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I told my church, I said, man, all, all four years, I've been transparent with you. I've been real. I've been unedited. I said, so, hey, I can't stop now. huh? I got I to gotta keep telling you uh, what the journey looks like, what it feels like. And man, so many people um, who have been through divorce, been through difficult breakups, other leaders. Yeah. Just started calling, just like, May, hey, can I talk to you? Hey, can I just unpack? I've never had anybody to unpack with. Can I um, just talk? How are you doing this? Like, how are you still going? Like, why aren't you like quitting? Like, I, I had to find a corner to hide in. Like, what are you doing? What is the secret? And so I use a lot of those personal conversations as um as inspiration to say, man, maybe there's other people in the world who need who need these conversations and they just aren't able to have them. And I believe that books can be a conversation. And so sure. I wanted the book to be a conversation, a bit therapeutic, and just to walk through the journey of, hey, if you've been through uh, a divorce or, or maybe some people have been through a breakup, maybe you were together with your fiance for three, four years and it doesn't work. You, you feel some of the same pains of a life being tied together and then having a disconnect. And um, how do you still see God in it? Because God is in all things. And I think that it's easy to point out God in the beautiful things, you know, you get your business takes off, the podcast is doing amazing, the book sales, your marriage is happy, your kids, mm -hmm. you know, graduate magna cum laude from college. It's like, oh, this is all God, you know, but it's also when they drop out. It's also when uh, the marriage falls apart. It's also when you're praying for a family member who's in a hospital, mm. that uh, God is still moving in those situations and just how to find hope and a renewed purpose that even though something dies or that something ends or concludes, it doesn't mean that God is done. I think that God enjoys working in difficult stuff and uh, yeah. just showing his grace through it. How difficult is it to put God first and still have stuff feeling like it's falling apart? Because 
it's in those moments when the world's crumbling, when relationships are failing, when people are passing away, when stuff yeah. comes at you. It's the hardest, I think. Sometimes I think sometimes it's the easiest way, but it's also the hardest way to still put God first. What's that yeah. been like for you? Yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest things I say is uh, I think we do have one thing wrong when it comes to uh, doubt. I, I think I think doubt and unbelief are two different things, you know. Uh, but doubt invites us into God. When you have to say, you know, God, I, I trust you. I just genuinely don't understand, and I'm trying to figure out how how this works for my good, because you say all things work for my good, but my family member been in a hospital. I don't see how that's working. My yeah. family going through a divorce and my kids being ripped into two different homes and financial duress. I just don't see how it's working for my good. Uh, but I think that that doubt for me, uh, it just caused me to seek God more. It gave me more humility. And it reminds me of the man who uh, wanted Jesus to heal his son. And Jesus said, you know, don't doubt, only believe. And he responded to Jesus, Lord, I believe, but but help my unbelief. Yes. And it was a very vulnerable moment for him. I I, I believe I've come to you, but I mean, after this falling apart, after this not working, I am struggling a bit to keep the faith in the face of difficulty. And um, Jesus didn't rebuke him for it. He didn't reprimand him. He didn't say, I, I can't believe, you know, you're giving up on faith. He healed his son and he showed him that I was still moving in a, in a space where doubt was trying to take over. And I just encourage people, man, like putting God first, does that always mean that the emotions leave? The emotions of pain, the emotions of of, of tears, the emotions of of, of being um, being hurt in ways you probably never imagined. So, you know, divorce, you never imagine you're going to go through. I mean, that's why, I mean, you make those vows for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, and, yeah. and you believe that. So when it's not, when it doesn't work out, I mean, you're, you're, you're floored. I mean, I talk to parents who have lost kids and I mean, just stuff you never expect. And it's like, man, how did you, how do you keep God first? And I think that it, being able to keep God first in that space of being able to seek him and saying, God, I don't understand everything. And I'm grateful that my relationship with you is not totally based on my small mind, understanding everything, because it's just, it's just, we aren't able to understand the magnitude of all that God is able to do. That's good. How is, how has the healing process been for you? I know part of the, yeah. what you said with the book is that's therapeutic. And I think, you yeah. know, I wrote a book on forgiveness as well. Um, sharing pretty transparently about some heartache with my relationship with my own father. And I know that that helped me wow. in my healing. Yeah. How has this yeah. helped you in your healing? Yeah. I mean, um, it was able, I was able to give voice to some of the, uh, private practices that I was walking through. I, I'm a, I'm a big person when it comes to therapy. I went through divorce and I went and got two therapists right away. Um, <laughs> yeah. I got two. I said, what, one isn't good enough. I got to make sure, sure that I'm well. And uh, one was a therapist for me personally. The other one was a performance therapist. His job was to make sure that, you know, I didn't get on stage and allow my personal pain to bleed through, um, mm. through my messages. I wanted to keep the message about Jesus, but um, that therapy really allowed me to process my emotions and then writing allowed me to make sense of them, if you would. Sure. Uh, yeah. to, be, to be able to put them in order. Uh, if someone were to ask me, hey, can you help walk me through this? By writing, I was able to put structure around what that healing journey could look like. And so um, one of the biggest things I would say about healing is that it's not immediate. Uh, it, it takes time. And sometimes you have to remind yourself that you forgave because, you know, like it can be a month later, two months later, and like all of a sudden, like this emotion tries to come back and you're like, whoa, like, where is that coming from? I know that I forgave. And it's like, yeah, you did. But the body keeps the score. Mm. 
-hmm. And sometimes your body holds on to emotions that your mind have already released. And so just having to remind yourself to let it go, breathe. It's okay. And uh, trust God even in it. Yeah, no doubt. Kenneth Locke is with us here from the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I promised in the beginning I'd ask how you got this role. How did this yeah. come about? Because you're also the team barber. So I know there's yeah. some correlations there. You're a barber for the team and you're the chaplain with the team. Tell us how it all came about. Yeah, so that's the funny part. Back in 2015, um, there was a player who got traded to the Milwaukee Bucks from the Phoenix Suns by the name of Jared Dutley. Sure. Yeah, and I know Jared well. Here, Jared and I met yeah. many years ago when I was at ESPN. I know him very well. Wow. Great, yeah, great yeah, guy. Yeah, so yeah. Great guy. Me and him became great friends. If you ask him about me, he'll say, he'll say Pastor Ken. He'll make a joke mm -hmm. about it. But, and his buddy Jeremy. Um, was Jeremy with him at that time? Yes, he was. This guy, Jeremy. Yep, yep, Jeremy. Yep. Um, and dude, dude, just a great dude, class act. If anybody knows Jared, like Jared doesn't mind speaking his mind, doesn't mind making a big joke. You know, yes. he, he'll just do it. And so he went to a barbershop here and he didn't like his haircut. So he posted on Twitter, like, hey, you know, first night in Milwaukee, you know, worst haircut of my life. <laughs> kind of like making a joke, joke about it. Yeah. And um, I had a friend who played with him in Phoenix named Deontay Garrett. He's from Milwaukee. And he uh, texted him like, hey, dude, if you're Milwaukee, my barber there, he's great. Like, give him, here's his number, check him out. And so when he first calls me, I, I thought it was a prank. I, had, I didn't have any NBA customers at this time. Sure. So he just calls like, dude, this is Jared Dudley. I'm trying to get a haircut. And I, I hang up. Like, dude, somebody, somebody's playing on my phone. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're trying to play a prank. And so then he texts me, and then we end up connecting. I go and cut his hair. I go back the next day. He invites his other friend, Kendall Marshall. I cut his hair. The next day, OJ Mayo see their haircut and say, who cut your hair? He's like, this guy named Ken. OJ Mayo calls me to come cut his hair. <laughs> While cutting his hair, Jabari Parker walks in at that time. I'm like, hey, can you cut my hair? Wow. While cutting Jabari Parker in, Jabari Parker's hair, Giannis walks in. And here's the funny story. Was he like a rookie at that I, time, Giannis? He was young. It, it right? was his second year. Second his second, year. And, I, and, I, and I make him wait because he wasn't the star. <laughs> I love that. He's my brother now. Don't tell him this. But I, I, <laughs> I made him wait because Jabari Park and OJ Mayo were bigger stars at this time. Yeah. Right. And so I'm, I'm cutting it here. I cut Giannis last. And uh, a week later, the team reaches out and says, hey, dude, you're cutting about seven to eight of the guys already. What, what was you? Did you want to come back for media day? You could be the team barber for the day. Mm -hmm. And so I go back to be the team barber for the day, which turns to being the team barber ever since 2015. Wow. Um, That's crazy. And so it is, I'm, go I'm going into my ninth season with the guys as being a barber. But in 2018, we start our church, um, a plant evolved church. And then I was cutting Malcolm Brogdon's here at this time, actually. Sure. Uh, cutting Malcolm Brogdon and um, we were talking about my faith and I, I didn't tell any of the guys that I was a pastor on the team because I didn't want to infuse the relationships like I didn't want to yeah. use my my barbering role to try to you know sneak in another door you know I just tried to keep the two with integrity respectfully different and and Malcolm asked me like what about my faith I start to share and he's like I don't want to be disrespectful man but I got a lot of questions about Christianity and things I don't understand and you know, I'm the kind of person where I'm like, well, let's go. Like, let's just <laughs> let's go after it. You know, that stuff doesn't scare me. You know, we joke around. Yeah. And we talk for two hours about my faith. And at the end of that, um, he's like, dude, I want to come to church. Uh, I think I want to give my life to Christ. He comes to church that following Sunday. And then uh he goes back and tells the team, Hey man, Kenny the barber is a pastor. And like Giannis was like, No way. <laughs> and he's like, Yeah, he's a he's a pastor. I'll walk into the locker room to cut here. And he's like, dude, you're a pastor. And I'm like, Yeah, he's like, Why didn't you ever tell me tell anybody? I'm like, Nobody ever asked, you know, yeah. I, I, I didn't know. Yep. And so like the, within the next three Sundays, all the guys start coming to church. 
Um, and then the team reaches out again, like, hey, we we can't get these guys to go to chapel, but in a few weeks you got these guys going to church. What's the secret? What are you doing? And I'm like, dude, I just preach Jesus. I don't I don't really know if there's anything special. Yeah. And the guys and the guys trust me because of our relationship that I built over the years being a barber. And um, they offered me the opportunity to be the team chaplain. And I'll be honest, I said yes without even knowing what the team chaplain did. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. I would love to be the team chaplain. Um, but I, what am I supposed to do again? <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, come in, we'll talk to you. And then I learned about an entire world, Jason, that I did not know existed. Most people don't even know that there's a chaplain for every NBA team. Yeah, NBA chapel, sure. Yeah, yeah and um, I mean, if you work in the sports, you kind of know because you, you kind of see the guys moving around. But for most fans, they're like, Whoa, there's a Bible study. Like, whoa, there's like, well, these guys believe in a higher being. Like, <laughs> like we praise them. They're praising some, you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. they're they're blown away. But it's an entire world where you get a chance to walk with these guys in a very intimate way. Mm, I love that story. Uh and then just a year, a couple of years later, uh, you're our part of a team that goes all the way and wins the championship. That had to be such Woo! a crazy experience. Kenneth. Dude, listen, I I make jokes all the time and say, guys, you did not win until I became the chaplain. I like <laughs> to think that it was my prayers. <laughs> oh, man, the, I'm joking. I'm joking. I know, I know. But um, no, it, 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 it was emotional for me uh, being that Milwaukee is my hometown, born and raised in Milwaukee. Um, and so I me, mean, started crying. I started crying because it's just, you know, we hadn't won in 50 years. Yeah. The last time we won was uh, 1971 yep. and then we don't win again to 2021 and so 50 years exact on a night where Giannis has 50 15 and 5 that number 5 for grace just keeps showing up right yeah um it just felt like it was a god moment um and it was a journey for everybody to get there there was a lot of uh battles um that those guys went through and for me seeing Giannis I got a chance to walk with him through uh some very difficult seasons we talk about shift happens uh, it's about him promising his dad to give his best the same year that he walks into his apartment and finds his dad mm. you know, uh, passed out on the floor and he and he died that night. And Giannis picks him up on his shoulder and, and runs him to the car, trying to get him to the hospital, you know, and it's uh, it was by far the hardest year of his life. And to watch him go through that and to win the MVP to the next year to, to fight, to win uh, a second MVP, finals MVP, defensive player i mean like i i it, for me it was almost as if I, I just got a chance to celebrate a brother who had overcome probably the most difficult time of his life and found a way to make shift happen to take his pain and like allow that pain to be fuel mm. um for greater purpose where's the championship ring you got one right you know i have it <laughs> so where do you it's, keep it's it an, it's in a case here in my house, uh, locked away. Yeah, super safe. <laughs> put that thing in a safe and put some passwords on it and all yeah, the stuff. Yeah. All, you know, everything. Keep that thing locked. Do you break it out every so often, though? Like if you're doing a speaking yeah, engagement to. or something? Yeah, sometimes when I go to different speaking engagements, especially for corporate stuff or coaching stuff, they always ask me to bring it. So I'm like, hey, I know I'm one of the few championship pastors you guys know. So, hey, I'll, <laughs> I'll, bring, it, I'll bring it out for you. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine if I was talking to you 10 years ago, let's say, because before, what, in fact, who was Kenneth Locke 10 years ago? You hadn't been planting your church yet. I don't know where you were no, pastoring. No. Um, you weren't involved Man. with this team yet in this sort of NBA chaplain role. Who, who was Kenneth Locke 10 years ago? Dude, believe it or not, dude, Kenneth Locke 10 years ago would have been 2013, which means I was a 25-year-old kid. I had been married for five years. I had 
two kids. I was helping. My, I was pastoring as a youth pastor in my dad's church, and it was a it's, it's a small church here in Milwaukee. It's probably about. I mean, I think I think that our biggest was maybe fifty, right? Wow. And so yeah. like, we 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 you know I I was serving almost in obscurity, hmm. which which for me is so amazing to look at my journey. I, I always feel humbled. Sometimes I get emotional when I'm praying about it because I am the epitome of your average Joe who just got blessed to have a lot of opportunities at the right time and kept striking while the iron was hot. And um, man, God's been extremely gracious to me, extremely gracious. So I I don't have a complaint in the world, even through all of the difficulty. I, yeah, it happens to all of us. I don't have a complaint in the world. No, I just think it's great to, to reflect a little bit, right? And to look back yeah. and say, you know, God, because I, I remember telling somebody when I left ESPN, um, I was 42, I think. So it was seven yeah. years ago, or 43, I think, seven years ago. I just turned 50. And yeah, I remember people were saying, uh, you know, your 30s are your best time. Or your 20s are your best time. And now I, I just turned 50. And I'm like, no, my 40s was my wow. was my best decade. Like things happened yeah. in my 40s that I didn't you know, I didn't even think would ever happen. And I dreamed about when I was 18 and it took till I was in my forties to experience them. So I think it's just, I, I hear you, man, when we're praying and we're just so grateful to God for where he brings us. It's oh, just, man. it's insane. Like it's and the best That's is yet so to good. come. The best is yet to come. That's so good. I'm, I'm so glad you shared it with me because I'm still in my thirties. So I know I have an amazing 15 year run getting ready to happen. Yes. Can you imagine <laughs> it? And what'll be really cool someday, hopefully, you know, we remain friends in 10 years from now. I can Absolutely. say, hey, Ken, remember 10 years ago when we did this interview, what's God done the last 10 years? And you're probably shaking Come your head on. like exceedingly and abundantly more than I could <laughs> ever imagine, right? No, no. I, I know that's going to be God because that's, that's just who he is. He's consistent in all his ways. And that's what it's been for us. I mean, we planted Evolved Church in 2018 with eight people in my living room. Wow. And as a, as a one-year-old church, we went through a pandemic. Right. We were a year and a half, the yeah. pandemic happens, and we could not come together for 19 months. Man. For 19 months, we did only online. So for, let's say, even though our church is five years old, in person, really only three years old. So to grow from eight people to 3,500 in a weekend, I don't I don't have a, dude, I, I stand sometimes, and I kid you not, I, just, I get emotional. And I'm not an emotional person, but you can look at just the hand of God and his glory mm. and his beauty, and you and you have to admit I know this isn't because of me. I know it. Like I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Yeah. Um, there are people far greater than I am, better communicators and more studied. And uh just God's grace has allowed me to to have what I have and to steward it. And so I just pray to steward it well and to be faithful in whatever he puts in my hands. Yeah, you couldn't have written the script yourself. No you could have dreamed even bigger than the way that God God's kind of put it together, could you? Uh no way. I mean, when we started our church and we had eight people. I looked at my team and I said, can you imagine one day we just had a thousand people? Like, and, we, and, and a thousand just felt like, to me, it felt like the arena being filled for a bus game. I'm like, man, can you imagine this eight turning into a thousand? And my team said it one day, they was like, oh, it, this past Easter, we had, uh, I think it's 5,700 people. Wow. And he said, and he yeah. said, do you remember when a thousand was a big number to you? <laughs> <laughs> And I said, man, yeah, I do remember when it was a big number and, and God has truly done exceeding abundantly above all yeah, that we can be faithful with little, be faithful with lot. And, and either way, on. it's still the same God, right? It's the same God. It's, I mean, really, it's a matter of what, what we can remain humble with. Mm. And so, and so every day I just remind myself that, you know, you're not that important. Everything you have is because God has trusted you'll give it back to him and you're honoring him with it. And 
That's a great reminder. We're not that important. That's a great (laughs) reminder. We need to be reminded that people, we are not that important when we think about who God is. He's important. Um, Come on. He's important, man. Well, let me, let me, I don't want to start preaching here because it'll get out of hand. (laughs) I know you got, you got a lot to say. I can tell. I'm ready. Give me, give me the pulpit. Let's go. Um, All right. My, my final question for you, I think it's a sort of open-ended question, but I'd be curious your story, your favorite story. What's your favorite God moment? And interpret that how you might, however you might. But what's your favorite God moment story that you can share since becoming the Bucks chaplain? I mean, that Malcolm Brogdon one was pretty good. But is there another one that comes to mind of sort of just, you're like, I don't know how I got here. God, I don't know even how this relationship happened. But look at what the Lord has done. Dude, um, I, I think it was I was standing at the altar getting ready to officiate Chris Middleton and his wife, Sam's wedding. Mm, Yeah. Um, Emotional for all of us. And um, they both were just telling me, man, thank you for what you've been to our family. Thank you for what you've been to our marriage. And I don't, it, it just set in. Like, I don't, I don't know why in that moment it just set in that, wow, like God, you have, you have trusted me to counsel and to, pour wisdom into the lives of some of the same people that many of the world glorify and praise. And uh, you've allowed me just to see them as humans. Mm. Nothing, nothing more than just good men and good women who just like any one of us need help, need guidance, need love, need appreciation, need God's spirit. And I don't know. I mean, I I officiated the wedding. They were dancing. Uh, uh, His daughter, Audrey was there. I gave her a hug. She had me, she has this, he was beautiful smile she runs up and <laughs> and hugs me and kisses me and it was just a moment of appreciation um of saying wow god i realized that you trusted me here because you know i wouldn't let it change me wow like i, like I wouldn't let you know seeing certain kinds of money certain types of uh opportunities like i, I wouldn't start chasing fame or, or chasing the, the accolades that come with it. I mean, some of my some of my best stories I, I I never share just because I feel like it was intimate moments for those guys, and I try to protect their intimate moments. Of course. Uh, but just as a, I don't know. I I don't know if you ever had those moments where it's not even a big thing. It's not even like a there's a miracle that happened, even though it's best bit. I mean, that's happened. I mean, I pray I prayed for Giannis's mom one time in the family room of a game. She had slipped and fell, messed her back up. And they were waiting for help, and I and I pray for her, and she said, "All oh, the pain leaves." Like God, like heals her back, and at a at a at a Bucks game, right? Like crazy, like like crazy, crazy God. I mean, that's a God sure. moment. That's a God moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, I still don't think it is settled in as much as it was standing there at the wedding and and watching two people who maybe didn't really believe in marriage now mm-hmm. honoring God with their relationship because. Wow. Just take some time to spend with a minute, and it—I it, don't know—it it meant so much to me. It, it felt like I accomplished ten things in one day. Yeah, well, it's beautiful too, and it's kind of confirmation, on uh, more confirmation, if you will, that God continues to be real and active and and working in the lives of so many different people. Man, so that's awesome. Um, would you mind closing us? I thought about this, and I was like, you know, yeah. we got a pastor here. That's, yes. Would you mind close us with a with a prayer? With with a prayer, Man. encouraging everybody listening, encouraging us as fans, remembering who these guys are that we're watching every every day in the NBA. But just close us with maybe some encouragement you might have, Ken, if you could. 
Yes, absolutely, man. Like you, number one, you can't you can't tempt me with prayer, man. It's, every pastor just <laughs> it's just I'm pumping at the bits, ready to get this out, dude. Let's um, I love it. I I I, I would encourage everybody with uh just saying like no, no matter uh, who's your favorite player, when you when you look at them, try to see their humanity. You know, try mm -hmm. to see. Uh, I've been with the guys when they get traded and. You know, the kids lose friends and get ripped out of schools and their wives, you know, grieve the loss of some of their closest friends and families that they've built connections with. Yeah. And yes, yeah, it's, it's a it's a it's a it's a job that pays handsome, handsomely. But uh, sometimes the cost of that money is great. Yeah. Uh, and so just 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 always think, man, I love Giannis. I love LeBron. I love Man, let me always remember their humanity. Like, man, he's a dad. He's a yep. he's a brother. He's a son. And like, somebody else hurts when he hurts, just like all the rest of us. So, no, that's a good reminder. Uh, let me let me let me just pray, man. Like, this is just too good. God, thank you for this time with um with Jason, and thank you for this podcast. Thank you for the fans who are listening. I just pray for encouragement. We all need it at all times. We never know what anyone is dealing with. So, I just pray that your love, your peace, and your joy would fill the hearts of those listening to this podcast right now, wherever they are, whether today is a beautiful day and all things are working out perfectly or whether today is a difficult day and they're struggling to see your hand. I pray God that even when we can't see your hand, that we'll trust your heart, that your heart is always to give good to us because you're a good, good father. And so um, thank you for all things well, but also thank you for all days difficult. For you said in all things, give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you. So today we thank you. And we honor you. We pray that our lives would be better examples for how much you've loved us. We honor you in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Kenneth Locke, thank you, brother. Appreciate you coming on the show. Man, it's my honor, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you, Jason. And many thanks to Kenneth Locke, the Milwaukee Bucks team chaplain. He's also the senior pastor at Evolve Church in Milwaukee. If you're in the Milwaukee area, go check out Evolve Church. Love God love people, love ourselves. That's their motto. And I uh, love what Kenneth Locke is doing. Love that he also wrote a book called Shift Happens. You can get that book on Amazon. And talking to a guy like Kenneth, it's just a great reminder that, first of all, the Lord is good, right? And these athletes are human. I loved his prayer um, at the end there, you know, just a reminder of who God is and a reminder of Jesus's love for us and his sacrifice for us. The Lord is good, man, and I just feel so encouraged uh, after having talked to Kenneth. I hope you guys felt that way, too, and maybe when you're watching the Milwaukee Bucks play a basketball game this year, you might watch with a different lens than maybe you watched it previously. I know I am, and thinking about guys like Giannis and guys like Chris Middleton and guys like Damian Lillard now with the Bucks. Uh, I just love that there's a guy like Kenneth Locke that's in that locker room that's with these guys, cutting their hair and feeding them the word of God. It's good stuff from Kenneth Locke. We appreciate him being a part of Sports Spectrum today. We thank you as well for tuning in. Make sure you check out our website, sportspectrum.com, for more content, more articles and devotionals just like this, more podcasts like this. Sportspectrum.com is the website. You can even order our quarterly magazine. Dude Perfect is on the cover of the latest edition of the Sports Spectrum magazine. It's perfect for the kids, faith-filled, family content, clean content, perfect for those kiddos. You can subscribe at sportsspectrum.com.
Com. Thanks for tuning in. We love you guys, and we'll see you next time right here on the show. Have a great rest of your day. This is Sports Spectrum.